he did not want to shoot. Versus if you went back and you looked at the games in the Bahamas when we are playing Baja Blast Tech, he's letting those things fly. <laughs> Cal was the coach of, our, of at least my childhood. Uh, I mean, I was always a tubby guy. Um, I was a tubby kid growing up. Just take um, Muhammad Ali at, then, uh, at center. Then you have actually to played for Kentucky, Kentucky University of players. Kentucky. Oh, daggone it, guys. I did not prepare for this. Because they're both going to be key contributors to a national championship team. No, do not tell me to relax, Zach, because I'm all in on this squad, and it's going to happen. What is up, Big Blue Nation? In the house, we got Matt Zach BBN joined by my Twitter best friends, 270 Bradley Smith, Big Blue Bud, Wildcat's Tongue, who I just learned is Google One certified, and we are rough to no good. Gentlemen, WT, I'll start with you. Google One certified? Uh, it's Google Level One certified. I'll Google have you level know. One. Yeah, well, hey, congratulations. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, you don't really need the level two. Level two costs a lot of money, but uh, Google Level One certified, and uh, I have bronchitis at the same time, so I'm really Oof. living life right now. Yeah. Wow. Um, good thing we record asynchronously because I don't, I ain't got time for that. Well, it's not contagious, so it's you're all good. I'm on a oh. lot of steroids right now. All right, I'll I'll come give you a hug the next time that I see Chill you, buddy. How are you bonds. doing tonight? I'm okay. Just tired. How about you guys? Yeah, I'm good. I had Mexican food for dinner. Do you have Mexican every every yeah, every time of thing? Every time before we record here. Every time before we record, it's a it's a good luck charm. Yeah, Taco Bell's biggest customer right there. No, it, it's real Mexican. Although I do love Taco Bell. You love a good Baja Blast. I can't have Baja Blast anymore. My doctor said so. Oh. oh no! Can you yeah. have? Can you just have like a regular Mountain Dew? Does the doctor say that's okay? I'm supposed to have none of well, them. Well, oh man! Do you well comply with the doctor's orders? Yes, because I don't want to die. That's well, that is, usually a good thing. most of the time. I don't want to die. <laughs> watching watching the Arkansas game, the second half, I did. You kind of want to. <laughs> You went to your secret stash and cracked open Baja Blast. <laughs> Dr. All Pepper. Dr. Pepper put me out of my pain. When we when we drink our sorrows away, like Sack goes to his bourbon collection and yep. uh, Bradley goes to his Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah, what a what what a year for me to get into bourbon drinking. But uh anyways, um that 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 is not very fun subjects. If you listen to our last Rup to No Good episode. You know that we did have some fun. We we made a special effort to have some fun. We we tried really hard. What we did was we made a NBA Jam type rosters, which you don't know if it was like a '90s retro video game. Um, they you get like pairs of two. So like in the '90s, it was like Jordan and Pippen. It was like Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. So we tried to form our best like NBA Jam lineups using like former Kentucky players. I had. John Wall and Jamal Mashburn. I thought that was going to be the overall winner. I think I took second. Bradley came in third with you had Malik Monk and Tayshawn Prince, which I personally yes. thought was going to be higher than third, but we might have had some upsets. Maybe not. WT, you were far in dead last with PJ Washington. <laughs> and hey, can, I explain, can I defend myself a little in a, bit? In a second. Who's no. your guard? Uh, I had uh, Jamal Murray. Oh, shoot. Jamal Murray, yeah. Yeah, and then buddy, you were you were our winner. Um, and you had Anthony Davis and Jody Meeks, who I think is a great pair. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I still think I was better. Uh, do you want a victory speech, buddy? I just want to thank my my parents. I want to thank all my uh, friends and fans on Twitter who uh, just knew that I I know ball uh, more than you know some others that uh, we won't name. Uh, not the guy under me on my screen in the little box. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. He he won the ball knowers poll, but I won this one. I I still think my team was was best, but um, yes. So so thank you all. So WT, I I think. Both PJ and Murray are very good NBA Jam players, but I think you got a little too cute for the general Twitter consensus poll. Um, what is your defense for that? That's fair. Uh, I do think that I should have played more to the who was just the more fan favorite player, who was just the better <laughs> player on an actual court. Yeah. Uh, I I I loved NBA Jam growing up. I, I played it all the time. Uh, so I really knew my way around the mechanics of the game. Uh, Jamal Murray would not miss from three, especially when you use a guy like PJ to uh, you get a few dunks, get that fireball going. Uh, all of a sudden you have uh, two 40 plus percent three point shooters shooting with a fireball. Yeah, you, you can't miss that. And you have enough defense to get to get by. So I really thought I built a good roster there for an actual NBA jam. I get losing the Twitter poll, but if we were to make these teams in real life, uh, I, I would definitely uh, challenge a bunch of you guys. Do I need yeah. to call somebody that can mod the game? I, I don't know. My my backup team uh, also probably could have won. I had Tyler Ulyss and uh, Willie Colley Stein as my my, my two oh. backups. So that that would have been yeah, a really a good, good team. Really good yeah, team too. In hindsight, I probably should have got some length on my team. I should have gone with like Willie Colley Stein or Winning Gabriel or something, but <laughs> didn't end up doing that. I still thought I had a good team though. This kind of did get us to thinking, though, like if we had to limit, like you need to pick two players that played in the same year together, who would be like the best NBA Jam duo in Kentucky history? So like 2010 would probably be like Wall and Cousins. 2011 would be Brandon Knight, Terrence Jones, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist and Anthony Davis and so on. Um, Bradley starts off. Who do you think would have the best duo? Uh... You had to stick to a single year. You know, there there are a lot of good options, but I think probably 16-17 was some combination of the three of Fox, Monk, and Bam. Uh, just yeah. off of NBA Jam competition, I'd probably go Monk and Bam, uh, but you could definitely have an argument for Fox in there, but I think that 16-17 team, probably the best. WT, you're our NBA Jam expert. Do you concur with that opinion? I'm an NBA Jam expert, but I'm definitely not a Kentucky basketball history pre, I'd say pre-2005 expert. So uh, I'm sure there's going to be some uh, old head listening to the podcast be like, no, it was uh, Jack Givens and whoever he played with. Like, Dirk Minifield. <laughs> Dirk Minifield would honestly be. He know, would. He would be goaded. Uh, I think the easy answer is 2010 with John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, but they do have a three-point deficiency. You do need a good three-point shooter uh, for those matchups against a a good shot blocker. So I honestly think that um, uh, 2018-2019 with Keldon Johnson and P.J. Washington or 2019-2020 with Emmanuel Quickly and Nick Richards would be really, really good rosters because you have inside presence, three-point shooting, defense, uh, on both of those squads. Yeah, it, it, this is it's hard because I feel like a lot of teams I like want to double down on like the same positions. It's like like you said in 2010, not the same positions, but you have 
Wall and Cousins, who in NBA Jam, they don't really space out the floor. And then I go to like 2017, and it's like I have Fox and Monk, and then you're a little small. Um, same thing with 16 with Ulysses and Murray, you're a little small. 2014 and 15, maybe the most dominant team in Kentucky basketball history, you're going Towns and Cauley Stein. So it's a, it is mm-hmm. get a little all day, difficult. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like Shea and Kevin Knox might be a little sneaky because they both have very good length, yeah. but they also got perimeter skills. That Shout would be out a Kevin good Knox. And surprisingly, uh, even though it was the worst year in college ba- in Kentucky basketball history, a Davion Mintz Isaiah Jackson team would probably also do pretty well just in an NBA jam setting. That's yeah. that's really bold of you. Hear, hear not, me out. So Devin, Devin Askew, Cam Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> hear me out though. Oh, hear me out. Ready? DJ Wagner and Justin Edwards. Ooh. Yes. Interesting. Reading Bradshaw clear. TBD. <laughs> well, uh, honestly, that, that 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 would be good. It's almost like this whole segment might be foreshadowing something that might be showing up on Twitter this weekend. That's crazy. Wow. Well, what? Yeah. Hold on. So be on the lookout. Uh, I haven't decided if this is going to go on the Rep to No Good uh, uh, account or uh, the WT account, but Don't uh, be selfish. Look out for <laughs> yeah. a little bit. I, I'll, I'll put on the rep to no good because we're talking <laughs> about it. Uh, but look out for a Twitter poll bracket if Elon lets us tweet more than twice a day. So, <laughs> but uh, that's enough uh, fun for one episode. I guess we had to talk a little bit more fun. <laughs> we get to talk about the, the Florida game before we get to get into depressing topics. But, um, Florida, great atmosphere. I don't know if anyone else at the game. I was there with my uh, grandma and dad. Um, we we had a great time. My it was my uh, grand. So she's Greek, so I call her Mayaya. It was her uh, hmm. first time at an NBA or college game ever, and she was just blown away by like the theatrics of everything, like the intros, like the the timeouts, how good the cheerleaders were. Like she was like, "Wow, these they look really good." I'm like, "Well, they're top two in the country." So um, but the game was really fun. Kaysen dominated i think he had 20 points on 10 shots especially as of late put the game away florida kept making shot after shot after shot and we needed case to make every single shot that he did and he did he hit mid-ranges that i don't think i've seen him miss in a few weeks now he hit that huge step back three he made the icing free throws um all around solid game it, it got a little close at the end but all around very solid game for kentucky and case and wallace i do have a gripe against florida Specifically, their fans. <laughs> After we helped y'all meme Tennessee, whenever y'all won, then you go and were the sorest losers of all time. <laughs> whenever we memed y'all, there was one guy in specific. I don't even remember exactly what he said, but he copy pasted the same. Oh, you're inbred. You go with your cousin. <laughs> he copy pasted. Copy pasted that. No joke. Fifty times. Oh, he did. Yeah, everybody got that. I got that Every, response. Everybody got it. Did everyone in got that response? Yeah, yeah, got everybody it. got it. But <laughs> Florida fans don't be such dorks, and maybe Doug wouldn't flip you off. <laughs> I mean, uh, we're going to talk about the game. Doing let's let's keep talking about the game before we talk about Doug because that okay, that definitely sorry. that we definitely no, it's fine. I was about to talk about Doug for like twenty minutes, so we we need to save that for a little bit longer. Uh, but I think uh, there are a lot of really promising things uh, in this game, uh, Florida game. I know we're all talking about this after a not very promising performance. 
Um, but obviously, Casey Wallace played really well. CJ Frederick played really well. That was really promising for the future, right, guys? Um, Jacob Toffin played uh, very well, <laughs> 17 points, 10 rebounds. That was really awesome. Um, but uh, a little bit foreshadowing for our friends at home. Uh, uh, notice that a certain player of the year is being left off the list of guys who played well uh, in that Florida game. But I'm glad we got the win, despite that. But that certain Florida, uh, that certain, yeah, that certain player of the year. There we go, Sack. Um, didn't play well. But this is going to be a theme as we get into our Arkansas game as well. Who came off the bench and played very well in his role, including hitting the two game ceiling free throws. Damien Collins. Yes, Damien sir. Collins. Came, um, Oscar, I think, just played two of the worst games I've ever seen against Florida. Uh, he was. Two of 14 shooting, still got his 15 rebounds, but um, Castleton lit him up on defense. He had 25 points, uh, eight rebounds, five assists, three blocks. They weren't even double teaming Oscar in the block like we have seen. We've seen a lot of times they throw double and triple teams to Oscar and they force CJ and Reeves to make shots. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. This particular game, CJ was very good of shooting. Um, but they just left Oscar one-on-one in the post, which he should feast off, which he has in the past, especially off Castleton, but he couldn't get anything to go, and he got his shot blocked more times than he even made a shot. But like I said, Damian Collins comes in, played five minutes, um, got a rebound, got a steal, uh, knocked down the game-clinching free throws, um, did much better guarding the paint and the rim on defense than Oscar had. And when he got checked out of the game, after he made those two free throws, got a standing ovation. And that will be one of my favorite moments of this year. It was a great environment. Rupp was rocking. Damian just sealed the game. And all of Rupp Arena stood on their feet because they know how special of a moment that was for Damian to go out there and win that game for us. My favorite Damian Collins stat uh, from this past week Um is he's he played 13 minutes uh at and mostly at the five did he play any four this week i think not a think little so. bit oh never mind okay so either played very little or uh very little of the four all at the five uh played 13 minutes uh he shot six free throws uh this weekend or this week uh which isn't a ton but for 13 minutes it's not too bad oscar shibway who played i believe 65 minutes this weekend uh, or this week, keep saying weekend, 65, 66 minutes, uh, shot one free throw in those two games. Um, so I, I don't really know what to take from that, uh, whether it's just being aggressive, whether it's just more opportunities, whether it's just natural and how they play the game. But a big physical guy like Oscar playing two consecutive games over 30 minutes and only taking one free throw, in my opinion, is a little bit concerning. What do you all think? Yeah, and it was one thing when you get like these like like Bediaco, just a bad match for him. He's tall, he's lengthy, he's skinny. But he went up against is it Mitchell on Arkansas? Yeah. Who is a little bit taller? I think yeah. he's six foot ten, but you know he's not like seven two, like Bediaco might be. Um Oscar, like he's just a Mitchell is like a strong built guy who's going to be more of a bruiser, which is Oscar's game. He's physical. He has better like instincts down low. He has better footwork. That's why he's able to get those pump fakes um, and like that jump hook to go for him. That's why he's able to get all the offensive rebounds. He just got dominated by just someone else that was just more physical in him. They had better instinct. They're blocking his shots. No one was falling for his pump fakes. Something's going wrong for Oscar, and I'm not sure what the root of it is. I don't know if it's just 
when it rains, it pours situation. And right now it's just pouring down on Oscar. But um, it is concerning, especially as we get into this Arkansas game, because not only has it been two games in a row, it's been multiple games in the calendar yeah. year of 2023 where he just looks unplayable, unplayable. One thing that gets me about Oscar, especially with the Castleton matchup, he owned him last year. Yes. We talked about the stats yeah. last episode. It was, I think, like 25 and 12, somewhere around that range, mm-hmm. both games. And what was Oscar doing? He was just exerting his physicality, going out there and being stronger than everybody else. What didn't he do this game against Florida? He didn't try to be stronger than anybody else. That, he tried that. to finesse Castleton, and you cannot finesse Castleton. Nope. Can't do it. And and that's the, the biggest... thing. It was actually it was 27 points. Points both times that okay. he played against Florida, he scored wow. twenty seven points, and both times and and the pattern also Arkansas he scored thirty points, he scored what seven the other day, mm-hmm. was it seven and, and four against Florida and and like the trend it goes further back like Matt mentioned it goes further back than just these last two games these have been the last these ones have been rough but like even Vanderbilt wasn't a great game for Oscar he scored thirty on him last year he scored fifteen on him this year and it should have been an easy I mean. And they didn't even double him at Florida, which was just like, uh, it, it shouldn't have been that close. It shouldn't have been that close all game. What are you saying, Wildcat? I'm just saying, uh, I think that one of the biggest differences between this year and last year, last year when Oscar maybe has a bad possession or something, he's going to go and fight his rebound. Like the famous clip at Kansas, he misses a bunch of bunnies, but he's surrounded by three Kansas players and he goes and gets his own rebound Go-gets like two back. or yep. three times. It was fantastic. Now, whenever a play like that happens, what does he do, guys? Throw his hands uh, up. In the video, yeah. He shrugs his shoulders, puts his hands up, and looks over at Cal to make sure he's not taking him out. That is mm-hmm. frustrating to watch as a fan uh, because he, this is not a – like, if this was a guy that's known for having an attitude, then, yeah, we, lo- we look past it we, that we have in the past. But for a guy that's known, like – even outside of our fan base for having this great attitude off the court to have that sort of like shrug, not my fault sort of uh, uh, reaction to those plays. Very disheartening. Um, uh, Yeah. That that, that was just really frustrating to watch as a fan. Mm -hmm. We talk about, there's a lot of trends going from that Florida game to that Arkansas game. We talked about case and Wallace, keeping it up on the offensive end. We talked about, Oscar Shibway struggling. We talked about Damian Collins um, picking up on Oscar Shibway struggles. Unfortunately, the winning trend did not continue as we lost Arkansas. We'll talk about, but um, Chris Livingston, another very good positive trend. I don't think he lit up the stat sheet against Florida, but I think I counted four different times I saw him on the ground diving for a ball. Um, I think he closed the game with four points. Um, I think he hit two very big free throws at the end there. And another guy, when he got checked out of the game, again, didn't light up the stat sheet, but when he got checked out of the game, Big Blue Nation recognized what a great moment, that what a great growing experience that was for Chris Livingston and gave him a standing ovation. Also, that Florida game, something I want to point out. Um, Chris Livingston played a lot of the four, and Collins played nothing but the five. And they've looked better in those positions. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yes. a big part of why they're trending in the right direction. Yep. One thing I wanted to point out about Livingston, we talk about how bad of a whistle that Oscar gets. He just gets hacked and doesn't get Mm -hmm. any calls. Livingston might get a worse whistle than Oscar. I mean, it's horrible. He gets punched in the face 
every time he goes to the rim and doesn't get a call. Especially when you look at times when he's on defense, it seems like any time Chris guards a drive, it doesn't matter what he does. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if he backs away, shuffles to the side. He will get called for a blocking foul every single time. And, and I pointed this out during the game, same as you, Bradley. It's like, imagine if he got the same calls that were called against him. He'd be shooting like 18 free throws a game. It, it's crazy. Yep. He really would be baby LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like we kind of covered the Florida game. Uh, surprisingly, the second biggest Xavier Wheeler fan didn't point out a very fantastic game from Xavier Wheeler off the bench against Florida. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. He's been playing the field. I think that was his best game coming off the bench, since coming off the bench. Yeah, he, he was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, 25 minutes, eight points. Yeah. Big fan. Three assists, no turnovers, two steals, 80% shooting. Great game. Um, also, Xavier so... Wheeler. Um, I think we missed this a lot against Arkansas. Again, we'll get into it. But I think six of his eight points were him just being faster than everyone else on the court and just sprinting. Have not seen that yeah. all year. So I hope we see more of that once he's back fully healthy. But um, after the Florida game. So first of all, I'm in the eruption zone. Uh, front row I think a lot of people have seen the picture of me now of this one Florida <laughs> fan that came up and I'm just like staring at him with like that that look that like Jim Halpert gives when he just stares into the camera that's just how I'm looking at this Florida <laughs> fan basically just kind of like really like this this oh, whatever but um he joined a group of fans 20 of them about maybe 12 to 20 Florida fans all had customized jerseys all in the lower bowl um, just <laughs> making a huge scene of themselves, getting rowdy and rough. And uh, at the end Apparently of the game, there's another we win. pot of them upstairs. There's oh, there's there another was. pot up in the up in the yeah uh, in the second deck. So but, a whole um, bunch uh, made the trip. Them being obnoxious at as the game ended, the eruption zone turned and waved them all goodbye, except for <laughs> one person who made a different gesture, <laughs> and that of course would be the blue coat Doug, um, <laughs> showing them all the. Maybe he was pointing to the exit. Maybe he was <laughs> He's um, showing them. Maybe he was showing them that Kentucky was number one. Uh, he was just tell, a, he was telling them where to get line. ice cream. He was ice telling cream. them where the, the ice cream line was. Cream. The Doug salute. But, Can we uh, just get a round of applause for Doug? Let's do it. I don't know if my mic picks up noises like I clapping. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think mine will like allow yeah. those. I think the <laughs> listeners just got like two seconds of complete dead silence. <laughs> but anyways, it's a thought that counts. Anyways, free Doug to if you wanted to suspend him for a couple of games, I would say reasonable. If you didn't want to suspend him at all, I'd also say reasonable. I wouldn't be embarrassed. But if you wanted to make a point that you can't do that for a a guy that's been here for what nineteen years, you want to make a point. Um, suspend him a few games. If you want to be extreme, suspend him for the rest of the year. But to suspend him for all of this year and all of the following year and not let him be a blue coat and rup, a guy that's been a patron for Kentucky basketball for the past almost two decades now, absolutely terrible decision. I don't know who the committee, committee is, if it's Mitch Barnhart, anyone that could possibly influence this decision, you messed this up really bad. Free Doug right now, I feel like we can confidently say um, that if Mitch Barnhart was involved in this decision, um, that if Doug happened to be a multimillionaire horse farmer, that he would have been fine. He would have been allowed to do whatever he wants uh, while in the stadium. 
Um, but because uh, he, he's a volunteer, he's a blue coat, he's on there, uh, he's there by his, uh, on his own time uh, volunteering. Uh, he said, no, nah, we, we don't need you for two years. We can get someone else to take your place. You want to, so that there were some people that were like uh, complaining, saying like, oh, look at all these people spreading the video. Um, you're going to get him fired, which again, <laughs> spreading the video did it get him fired. But one of the people that did spread the video was Trace Terrell, who is my boss over at Cats Cover. She does a great work for them. He posted the video on the TikTok. Do you want to see? I'm going to redact this person's name, but do you want to hear the comment that they left on the TikTok? I, sure. I would love sure. to. So this was, again, of the video of, I think it was like a recording of the TV of Doug flipping off the Florida fans. This is what the comment says. It says, hi, y'all. My name is Redacted. And the most recent TikTok you shared of the blue coat flipping off Florida was actually of my grandfather, who vehemently hates Florida, as we saw in the footage. Laughing emoji. Another family member sent this to me, and I wanted to reach out and say, thank you for sharing that with the world. He was truly in his element in that moment, and I couldn't help but scream with laughter when I saw that it had been captured. I know a lot of folks in the comments call Cats fans classless, but others seem to be enjoying that moment just as much as I did. Thank you again. I saved the post so that I'll always have it. This is certainly going to be the topic of family gatherings for a while, laughing emoji. So this just seemed to be a very great moment for Doug and family. So (laughs) once again, um, non-audio, clap that's not going to show up in the audio. Round of applause for Doug. And even better with, uh, uh, like, obviously, uh, his family is getting a kick out of this and thinks that is awesome that's being shared. Um, the Florida fans that he made the gesture mm-hmm. towards are on Doug's side. They're <laughs> saying, hey, you know, this, this, this is, we, we egged it on. It's our fault. We wanted that to happen. Like, why are you suspending him for doing what he should have done? <laughs> like, they had the self-awareness to realize, like, hey, we are, we are being uh, a-holes. And we deserve to be flicked off, especially when we lose. So yeah, it's fine. Keep him. He's a good usher. <laughs> I haven't told you guys yet. I haven't told you guys this yet because it happened today. Oh, but somebody no. responded to me and said, I was a blue coat for however many years. And he said, and Florida fans were always the worst. And then somebody else, well, I'm not going to say if it's somebody else or the same guy. I don't want to get this person in trouble, but that DM'd me and said, I flip fan bases off all the time. I don't know why why he got banned just because he was on TV. Round of applause. Which is my favorite thing. And I'm like, I can't share this, but oh my goodness. Like, where do I apply to be a blue coat right now? (laughs) I need to to be in this club now that I know what's going on. All right. So whether it be (laughs) mine or buddies inside sources, um, that just further proves that this wasn't that big of a deal, that this is an exaggeration. Doug needs to be freed. It needs to be reconsidered that he should be reinstated sometime before this year ends, maybe a game or two suspension, because this is ridiculous because once again, it's not that big of a deal. We're starting a petition for Doug to be the why at the next game. Yep. Absolutely. When the next game is, <laughs> Ooh, the next Imagine home is... game is the next home game is Tennessee guys. Oh, if we he, need if it. He is, we need if it. Comes the out why, it's the why. If it's double the why, the why the against Tennessee. <laughs> He is double barreling it on that why. It's going to be the best thing ever. If Mitch Barnhart, here's the thing you may lose your job, the entire committee may lose their job. And you'll go down as Kentucky basketball legends if you allow this to happen. 
they we will build statues of you. We will build, we'll build a statue of Doug if you allow this to happen against wait, Tennessee wait a uh, in a couple so, Saturdays. So you're saying allowing yeah. that would would get Mitch Barnhart fired? Uh, I don't know. Is, where is that what you're saying? Either way, is that I'm what you're not. saying? It's worth the, the respect, risk. <laughs> the respect level for Mitch would jump by a thousand times. Now, a thousand times zero is still zero, but <laughs> it would still be the best move he's ever made as an AD. I hope he gets like unbanned. They're like, you can come back. They make him the Y one day, you know, in a couple of years, and then just both hands, and that's his last game. You know? <laughs> like, like, I am retiring. They <laughs> <laughs> yeah. don't even get paid, do they? Like, it's just all volunteer. No, it's just volunteer. Yeah, it's, it's volunteer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that was makes it so much more stupid. I I love Doug. I I need that kind of guy in my life. Speaking of people who deserve to get flipped off, how about Terry Oglesby, guys? I the only reason why we lost. I hate referees. Like just mm-hmm. by and large, I've Full met take. one referee. I've met one referee that wasn't a complete and total nerd. One. Who's that? Are you going to share who that is? I don't know his name. Okay, you okay, trailed cool. off there. That's that's, <laughs> that's how, how it should, it should be. be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He refed our little league basketball games. Oh, sick! Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, There's I a referee didn't... when I was growing up that. uh there, there was one time where uh, we he, he just knew me. I, he watched me grow up playing basketball. At halftime, he tossed it to me, and then he pointed in the direction we were supposed to be going because the whole team had lined up going the wrong way, got a wide open lay layup from him. So shout out that dude. I don't know his name either. So so I want you guys to just pretend for a few minutes, um, just theoretically say that I had um, – you know, not seen the game because I was at a hockey game and then I've been super busy all week and I haven't had time to to watch it yet. And all I saw was like the last couple minutes of the first half and that Damian Collins dunk or failed dunk. And then like the last three minutes of the game, uh, just pretending that that happened. Like, how would you uh, give me like a quick summary of, of what actually happened in the game? First oh. half, really good. Second half, really not good. Yeah. And I, uh, I thought... Arkansas- I thought the first half, we were down one at half, but uh, I think we should have been up around eight or so if it wasn't for the aforementioned Terry, who, Mm -hmm. for the record, I didn't know his name until I saw his name, his phone number, and his address uh, get sent to me in a a private (laughs) message. Shout out out Scott Clark. It was not Scott. It was was our that's our one Scott Clark reference for the episode, but this one actually wasn't Scott. No, it's not. Uh, yeah, no, I, the... I would, uh, buddy, I would say that um, a lot of the trends from last game we saw continued. Uh, Case and Wallace looked phenomenal on offense. Chris Livingston started to put it together. Um, Damian Collins played very well, but we wish he played more at the expense of Oscar Sheway, who played very, very poorly and might have lost us the game on his defense. Mm. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, I believe the stat is Arkansas shot like 74% from two-point range. Um, or at least seventy four percent from at the at the wow. rim or wow. something like that. I, uh, for the game, I had noticed uh, that they which, scored more points than they usually score. They were well above yeah. their average. Also, yeah. if you kind of as you're watching the game, it seemed like every late shot clock shot that they took, whether it was a long contested two or a three from a low percentage shooter, it was going in. So, uh, I would say that we we should have lost. We did not play better. But a 15-point loss is a bit inflated by some uh, officiating 
and some really, really lucky shot making from Arkansas. But we got to we got to be able be able to make those shots too. Our shooters were not doing anything. We only attempted 13 threes. I mean, to be fair, oh. they only attempted nine. So it, it was just a tough, tough situation altogether. Yeah, Nick Cannon has more protection than we had in the paint against Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been holding on to that? Yeah, I, I, I thought of it during the game. Um, I've been you wrote it down on a little for, sticky note for two days. Seriously, I didn't. No, I'm. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. But but, but buddy, so Jordan Walsh, who shoots twenty percent from three point range <sighs> on the road this season. Uh-huh. Made a 30 footer with half a second left on the shot clock with Case and Wallace closing out very hard. Like that that's sounds just, about right. Yeah. And uh, who is it? Davis, who who's a very good defender, but he hit so many just like twos where like Case was draped all over him and he kind of just like hung in the air and like flipped it over. Um, and like that went in. So kind of like WT said, we should have lost, um, but the the margin was a little bit inflated. Um Due to Oscar's Mitchell. poor defense, officiating. One thing that I do want to say, though, that there's been a few games this year where, obviously, it's like you go back to Michigan State. It's like we lost because we didn't execute. Um, we just didn't make free throws when we had to. We didn't make the stops when we had to. If we executed better, the game plan, um, the roster, it was all there to be good. And then there were uh, games where I'm just like, Maybe if Cal game planned a little better, we should have won. I go back to the UCLA game, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a few games this year. I think Alabama was one on the road out at Alabama, Kansas at home, and now Arkansas at home, where I'm like, even if Cal makes the proper adjustments, even if maybe CJ doesn't go absolutely cold from three, maybe if we execute a little bit better, I'm still not sure if we win. Like, I just didn't think that we had, like, the Jimmys and Joes to match up with Ark. Like they just kept having guys in. And I'm just like, wow. It was like Anthony, ba- Anthony Black and Ricky Council and Devonta Davis. Like th- those were their three guards. I'm like, wow. I, other than like Case, and I think they might have the second, third, and fourth best guards in this game. And then they had like Jordan Walsh come off the bench. Um, both of their centers, uh, the, uh, the Mitchell twins, and then whoever was coming in behind them. They were just given like they just look stronger and taller and better than our guys, and that just we should not get out Jimmyed and Joed at Kentucky. That should never be the problem. They it should be stupid things like we missed free throws. It shouldn't be like the other teams. Like this happened multiple times here where the other team was just like I don't know what we could have done. They were just better. They did to us what we have for twelve years done to other teams. They came in, they hit tough shots. They celebrated at a, in an away stadium. Uh, they got the home coach flustered. Um, they uh, dunked on one of our guys. Damian Khan's got a poster put on him. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony Black started the second half, picking off two consecutive passes for wide open dunks, a la Malik Monk. Ah, I didn't um, see this. Yeah, uh, they like a lot of stuff that happened in this game are stuff that we are used to seeing flipped. And that, I think, is the toughest pill for BBM to swallow. Um, it, I mean, obviously, this was a bad loss. Uh, we've seen not many losses like this, especially at home, but uh, we knew that Arkansas was going to be a tough game. But to see someone come in and just confidently play us, that is the toughest thing. If someone comes in nervous and beats us, that's one thing. But they came in expecting to win, and they did what they needed to do to win. 
I got a I got a quick little nugget for us. Then we get back on the game. Uh, someone just tagged me in a tweet. DJ Wagner just scored his two thousandth high school point, and he did it in his second forty point performance within this week. So nuts! Future's bright. I heard, I heard from a uh, good old a friend of the show, Jeff Goodman, um, that he would not <laughs> that, that, that his his game would not translate uh, at the next level, especially playing with such a ball hog like Rob Dillingham. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, who's definitely not a combo guard and who definitely won't survive off ball at all. And Cal has never uh, coached two ball dominant guards before. WT, but, I mean, he I, knows ball. WT, I think you've just created a unique sentence that nobody has ever said before. Friend, Friend. of the show, Jeff Goodman. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> ever. You're the first human to speak those words. Oh no, I'm probably the second human. I'm sure Field of 68 has done the same thing. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, no Bleep that out. Bleep that out. I'm sure. Please said that. We can't promote them. We They're going to unfollow all of us on Twitter. <laughs> we get more oh, listeners Rob, than them. Turn that. We got to bleep out there. <laughs> Uh, WT, speaking of the uh, Jeff Goodman saying what players fit in not, you put out a, a really interesting graphic, which it had me thinking for a little bit. Um, maybe we can just completely move on from the Arkansas game. Talk about something. I don't want to talk fun. about it anymore. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you put you put out a graphic, and it's March. guys that could potentially be on our team next year. And under guards, you had, obviously, Wagner, Dillingham, C.J. Frederick, and Reed Shepard. Under wings, you had Justin Edwards, Antonio Reeves, Chris Livingston, Duthiero. Uh, forward slash centers, whatever you want to call them. You got Aaron Bradshaw, Damian Collins, Ugana, Onyenzo, and Lance Ware. So that's four deep in three different categories, totaling 12 guys. Obviously, not all 12 are going to be here. I, I think... do want to point out that technically Jacob Toppin and Oscar Sheeway both have years left, but do. for undisclosed reasons, I'm going to live in a fantasy in my mind where neither will be coming back. Yeah, but um, those wow. are... Let, let's focus on those 12 guys. I think it's very safe to assume that Kaysen is gone 100%. Savir is gone 100%. Oscar is most likely gone. And Jacob is most likely gone. Um, so if you go down to those 12, that's still 12. Like we know that Cal's only going to keep 10 to 11 scholarship players. And some of these guys are going to know that the rotations and Apple going to get cut down to seven. Like does Damien come back and share the center position with Aaron, Ugana, and where does where come back and share that center position? Um, does Reeves come back knowing all like the wing and guard depth that we have? So if you had to like look ahead and maybe think of like a combination of who you want or maybe who you most likely you'll think will be back, what do you think are like so we know DJ, Dilly, Reed, um, Justin, Justin. and Aaron. So that's five. So if you want to give like three to four more that could come back and complement that roster, who do you think most likely and who do you want? Well, who do I want if I have to choose three like non freshmen? Oh. Yeah, like I think if like if you want, it would probably be like Reeves, Livingston, and Collins, right? Maybe a do right. It would probably be Reeves, Livingston, either Collins or a Thiero, because I think that four position is going to be the toughest one for us to fill because Justin's not really a four. We definitely don't want like Aaron or Lance playing a four. Yeah. So I think uh, having Chris and a do back on the roster is going to be huge, and Damian. Um, I do think most likely, just kind of reading tea leaves um, a little bit, I think uh, that the most likely that are back, if I just had to choose three, would be C.J. Frederick, probably Chris Livingston, and Damian Collins. 
Um, I don't think Antonio Reeves comes back. I know he has a year of eligibility, but he hasn't necessarily expressed a ton of interest in playing one more year of college. Uh, Aduthiero, I do think, um, may or I may think. not. Uh, I, I I do think that yeah. <laughs> he he may explore <laughs> some other options. Um, and I I I will say a fourth that I'm adding on because I don't think he could go anywhere is Lance Ware. Uh, he's about to be playing with two uh, other guys from Camden. New Jersey, so uh, I don't think he's going anywhere at all. I'm not saying he's going to play. He may not have any role next year, um, but uh, I do think he stays on the roster. Now, did I hear you misspeak or I mishear you? Did you have Chris coming back or a do? Uh, I had Chris coming back. If he keeps up this stint of like shooting pretty decently, then he may test out the league and just say, like, hey, I'm ready to go and play in the G League a little bit. Um, I want a do back president of the Aduthiero fan club. I'm not going <laughs> to let go of that title anytime soon, but um, I'd, it, if I had to put money on it, I'd say Chris is more likely back over Adu. Wow. Wow. Um, so I'm going to describe something as I'm going to call Schrodinger's Cal. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> if, if Chris Livingston plays very well, um, he will leave and go pro because he's been playing very well. If he plays very bad, he will leave because uh, his camp is mad at how Cal is using him. And we have seen Schrodinger's Cal come out in the past. So I think kind of no matter what happens, Chris Livingston is more than likely going to be gone. He's six 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 seven, yeah. super athletic. Um, he's also shooting, I think he's like second or first in our team in free throw percentage, shooting 85.7% from the stripe, and he's shooting 37% from three. Combine his good shooting with his athletic frame and the fact that he's getting better and better every single time he's on the court. I just don't see how he comes back. The reason I do think he comes back, I do. Uh, the reason I think he comes back uh, <laughs> is because next year the roster has one glaring hole in it. It's that that four spot. Now, I know his camp does not want him playing the four, but hopefully that this is what I hope. I, I hope that he keeps playing well, obviously, because I want him to do well. Um, but, but plays well in that four position that he's been playing recently. Um, if he does make the decision to stay in college, I think if if his camp is smart, uh, I, that they look at that hole in the roster and they see Chris as someone who can fill that hole, who can um, play that four spot, uh, have a starting spot uh, like guaranteed on a really good roster uh, and kind of be that uh, prototypical Cal sophomore that kind of leads the way for the rest of the team. Yeah, but we have seen in the past that a gaping hole on a roster and a need for Kentucky does not necessarily equate to them coming back. Y'all want to hear a really bad feeling that I have? Oh, no. no, but sure. So y'all know how Cal likes to tell everyone to go to the Combine and just see oh, what no. NBA scouts think. They're going to mm-hmm. love him. I've got this really, really bad feeling, which good for him, but bad for us next year. I've got this bad feeling that NBA scouts are going to love Ugo. Oh, really? Interesting. Ugo's not going to check out the combine. Because he's 7-1, freak athlete. His block percentage is nuts. I know at one point he had a higher block percentage than Anthony Davis which granted a lot lower usage, but anyway, uh, I'm I'm scared about that. 
no I'll, scoop. I'll, no I'll, scoop. I think I'll other people Bradley, would be scared of Ugo is not the one. Yeah. I'll say this. So while you while Cal usually does like for you to go and test out the waters, um, I'm pretty sure it's a rule that you can only do that once. And I think Ugo needs to realize that he is a very big like year two to year three tweener. So if he goes to the combine this year and comes back, and then maybe let's say he just doesn't get a lot of minutes over Aaron Bradshaw. He or maybe he has an okay year, but not a great year. He no longer has the luxury to go and test it out after a sophomore year going into his junior year, which means that either he's making a blind decision. Maybe he comes back and can't test out the water, see what he needs to do, or maybe he leaves and completely has no idea if he's going to get drafted or not. So I wouldn't be worried about that. And even so, I'm again, I'm not really too worried about center, I'm more worried about that power forward position. Um, on your graphic though, uh, Ugo and Yenzo. Per 100 possessions has 22 points and 23 rebounds. <laughs> it's insane. I mean, he is and nine blocks. So nine blocks. He's, he's shooting 56% from the field, and that's before he's even unlocked his mid-range game, which per uh, yes. uh, Matt Sack, he does not miss in warm-ups. So Ugo he's has literally not, in warm-ups. <laughs> he's Ugo literally Will Chamberlain. Missed, he has not missed a 16-footer in warm-ups all year, and I'm the first one there. Really? I watch every single shot in warm-ups. He hasn't missed a 14 to 16-footer all year. Wow. Uh, uh, I'm looking forward. It, honestly, it, knowing Cal, he's going to put Aaron Bradshaw at his seven foot tall, but on the, at the four, I'm not, if Ugo can hit that 16 footer and Aaron can uh, 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 shoot a little bit, I, I won't be like depressed, mad at that decision. I'll still be unhappy. What but if Ugo's hitting that 14 to 16 footer in the game that, that, that can unlock some things. What if it's Aaron kind of at the four, but your five is Damian Collins? Does that intrigue you? I, more? I would ascend. <laughs> I would just be <laughs> happy to Damian. I would just Junior be happy to Damian have Damian Collins. back. Junior Damian. Here, my favorite Calipari players are uh, sophomore Tyler Ulis, junior uh, uh, Nick Richards, and senior Derek Willis. Junior Damian Collins. If he comes back and he gets significant minutes at the five, we'll challenge them as my favorite overall player. Yeah, I cannot wait for that possibility. I um I feel like Aaron, if he's making the three as much as he is, I feel like he's not super he's not like a post guy, you know. And it doesn't mean I want him jacking up threes, but we have to realize that like a lot of our offense is going to be Dillingham and DJ and Justin just creating for themselves. So if like Bradshaw can hit a Keon Brooks mid-ranger or an occasional three-pointer or sit in the dunker spot, I don't hate him at the four. I really don't. But then on the defensive end, you could put him at the five and maybe have Damian guard the four because I think he has great Ooh. instinct on the perimeter, especially like blocking jump shots and stuff. I know it doesn't sound pretty, but we're, remember, we're not judging sophomore Damian Collins, we're judging junior Damian Collins. Damian is definitely much better at blocking shots, uh, a help side. So if he's guarding the four, he's gonna be able to help Aaron guard that five and maybe block a few exactly. shots. Exactly. Are you guys, are you guys not You're even entertaining me. the super senior Oscar? Uh, uh, why why sh- why would we do that <laughs> because if if he does make that decision anything we talk about now just is moot uh i would guess that either aaron or ugo uh either goes to the draft or transfers um i would say damian collins probably leaves or transfers he might be back 
but Oscar coming back to this roster, I think, blows some stuff up because we know we're not going to get 12 scholarships. I would Mm -hmm. rather some of those 12 scholarships leave from the guards and the wings because we're pretty stacked there. If we get some of those leaving from our forward and center positions, I think we're in trouble. Has anyone ruined their stock in half a season more than Oscar has? I mean, you're talking about national player Uh, of the year. Montgomery? Yeah, maybe, but not even this much. You're talking about (laughs) national player of the year. You're talking about most loved man in the state of Kentucky. You're talking about a fringe first-round draft pick who's coming back with aspirations to be a lottery pick, and people aren't even ruling it out. You're talking about one of the highest endorsed athletes in all of college athletics. And now we're talking about a guy that we're not even sure we want back for another year. I, I he's, not, he's, he's undraftable too. There's not he's... one NBA team that could see what he's doing in pick and roll or even like on offense and think, oh yeah, that, that translates to the NBA. He's undraftable. If you're talking about pure NBA draft stock, then then no, he's he tanked it unrecoverably but i'm not sure that like we all wouldn't be right back on the train he had like a a 40 and 20 game the other day like we were there yeah (laughs) like yeah if he just does that again like i mean he's just going to remind somebody it's very possible that he just reminds everybody who he is in a couple games from now and like we're right back on board and i don't you know everybody's down on oscar right now but i think we should realize like hey we're still talking about this guy part of what made oscar so special last year was that he was just so consistent. Like he was just good every single game. And it's not the same this year, but like we've asked for so much consistency from him and he's provided up until this point, like he, he has time to correct. So I don't think his stock is, is totally doomed, but maybe NBA stock. Like, yeah, he's not, he's not somebody that anybody's going to draft. I'll take your all's minds back to the lovely month of August, 2022. Uh, do y'all remember that po- that post by UK basketball on Twitter of Oscar shooting some threes in practice and we freaked out saying Oscar yeah, is shooting yeah. threes. He is now the best player to ever exist in college basketball. He's oh. going to be a lottery pick. It's going to be great. Um, can we just exist in that moment uh, for the oh, rest of the back. season? Because I, I think that my mental health would really improve if I can just live there instead of where we are. I remember telling you guys that his numbers were going to go down this year and everybody saying there's no evidence for that. That was a fun time. <laughs> but you don't know. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I agreed with you, buddy. Let's go, Matt. But um, um, look, going back to this year's roster, I think it was Aaron Gershon. He put out a very interesting post. Um, He put out three players that he think would help this year's roster immediately former UK players that is um and then we'll get into listeners questions because we have a similar one um he, he kind of confused me because he said like don't pick anyone obvious so like no John Wall or Anthony Davis but like then he include Willie Cauley Stein who was like a first team all-American so like <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's also kind of cheating but like before we I, do this what's what's our parameter for let's just say obvious like not like not like an all sec or better player okay well, there well, goes gonna, one of my picks role players like they could be starters like it would be like the equivalent of let's say like antonio reeves on this team or even like chris livingston but like case and wallace okay. would be a no okay so like depending right. on depending on the team maybe like the third or fourth best player okay. so, so I, 
I would personally say one that I think that would be very good. I think I tweeted this out. Little sneaky, Jared Vanderbilt. I think he'd be a great stretch mm. for. You talk about what does this team like miss? It misses dog. It misses just some like athleticism. I think it really misses dog and it misses defense and even like some rebounding. I think he brings all of that. Um, again, like I would like some shooting, but it's like, I feel like all the shooting ones is like, does Doran, like, can you get Doran Lamb? Can you get like, you can't get Malik Monk or Jamal Murray. You can't get Tyler mm-hmm. Eulis. So I was kind of stuck on shooting. So I want more like the dog and defense for out. I think Jared Vanderbilt um, would help a lot. It's kind of like a sneaky pick that I didn't see a lot of people saying. Is Patrick okay. Patterson up for grabs? Oh, I'd say so. Yeah. He was the yeah, best, Patrick best player on pre-Cal teams, but not on Well, the that's not saying anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is Reed Travis uh, up for grabs? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm not Reed sure he helps though. rim protection at center. No, he doesn't. No. But he's... <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think, uh, anyone that's been really good at rim protection has also been like our best one of our best players right yeah. um so i th- i honestly think if we're if we can't pick one of the best two players um if if you want to get rim protection you either have to go Don't olivier sar oh. or uh marcus lee because oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone else like is kind of it's kind of taken for rim protection so my pick i think i would go uh Derek willis i already said he's one of my favorite players but um he would really stretch the floor. He's his senior year. He was a very underrated defender. He worked on defense. Yes. He was really awesome. He, he rebounded very well. Um, and I think uh, a player like that would change the offense entirely because Jacob's been playing very well, but um, he obviously doesn't stretch the floor as much as we would like. And with the struggles that we've had on offense, I think having a stretch four, a pure stretch four, would be really helpful. So I went Vanderbilt, you went um, Willis, Bradley, you went with Patrick Patterson. Buddy, who did you have? You pick Vanderbilt because he, he, I think he would have been one of our best players if he hadn't got injured, right? He yeah, probably I mean, would have that, been. that team still had Knox and Shy, so probably not. He would have oh, been third. Um, I was going to say, um, so what I was thinking uh, I was going to say, Sar, there is this one kid that's like really, he didn't score a lot of points at Kentucky, but he was very athletic, uh, Shaden Sharp. Uh, I think he would help this team if he were here. Um, <laughs> the, uh, Olivier Sar was, was, was the name I was Actually, thinking. Can I, I change my pick? Of course. Oh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Give me Dominique Hawkins, actually. Ooh, great pick. Really good That's defense, just grit and toughness. He'll be a guy that you put out there and you don't have to worry about him playing hard, which is something I think this team has lacked except for like two guys. Another you know thing that he was lacked is leadership. Screen. Yeah, leadership. Yeah, he would go under a screen too, and uh, he'd be a good backup combo guard at almost any of those guard positions. Yeah, Good pick, Brad. So moving into listeners' questions, Bradley, you kind of – you commented to this comment from at YRG underscore microwave, actual uh, friend of the show. Um, <laughs> you said you wanted this one and no one else gets to have it. He says, if you could add one non-UK player to our team, who would it be? Don't say Zach Eady. I'm assuming he means like, like presence, like you can't get like Zion or Kevin Durant. Um, so one active college player, who would you add Bradley? Okay. He said one, I have eight listed. 
And and after this, you're going to realize a theme, and I'll tell you a theme. Um, Well, this first one is not active, but anyway. Uh, Pat Baldwin Jr. He's someone that was rumored a lot to maybe possibly transfer. That didn't end up happening, but he was interested. Uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. Mm -hmm. has been doing a really good job. You know, good wing defender. uh, Somebody's athletic. Uh, somebody who is injured but would have helped out a lot pre-injury, Trayvon Brazil, uh, who's at Arkansas yes. right now, yep. uh, was formerly at Missouri. Uh, Tyree Appleby, he is a guard for Wake Forest. Uh, prior to that was at Florida. Uh, you have Antoine Davis. He is the uh, all-time NCAA leader in three-pointers made, and he plays for Detroit Mercy. And I don't have scoop personally from myself, uh, but I've spoken to people who have scoop. He was twerking Kentucky. You know, he was, he wanted to be here more than anybody. And we didn't reach out. He entered the transfer portal, didn't hear anything and ended up going back to Detroit. Uh, Also Norchad Omier, uh, who is at Miami, formerly at Arkansas state. Uh, we didn't really care. Uh, Ricky Council, a uh, familiar yeah. name. He's at Arkansas right now. And uh, this one's kind of corny. Uh, Bryce Hopkins. <laughs> He's at uh, Providence. But anyway, these eight names, what do they all have in common? Bradley, you went Answers. on you went on my podcast, Courtside Connect, and said that these are all guys that you would like to see transfer to Kentucky or come to Kentucky in some capacity this offseason. So these were all that Bradley Smith, the portal knower, said that he wanted in June, May, yeah, and May. they didn't become cats. These eight names all have something in common. Every single one were in the transfer portal. And we didn't reach out or didn't reach out enough. Mm-hmm. We showed interest in Pat Baldwin, not enough or he'd be at Kentucky right now. Did you say, you know, did you include Baylor Shireman in your, no, list? I didn't. Shit. We, okay. We've got enough white guys that can't make a three. <laughs> <laughs> One is too many. It, he'd be okay. <laughs> I wouldn't hate Shireman, but whatever. But yeah, eight guys. It's just like they were there. And you just didn't take them. WT, you want to keep listener questions going? I would love to. Uh, this is going to come from the, not not A, but the Kentucky 15. Um, why haven't we seen improvements in ball screen defense? Opposing coaches are publicly saying they focus on attacking UK in ball screens. Why are we still so bad at covering them? Um, I think uh, Brandon Ramsey has some really good answers to this. So if you want a more detailed answer, definitely go uh, look at kind of his threads going over this. But the short answer, uh, there's a few couple reasons. Um, There's a a lack of a scouting report. We go over ball screens way too much, um, especially against non-shooters. It's it's baffling how that's the case. Sometimes that's just a part of your ball screen defense, but you have to be able to adjust, especially if you're getting burned. That also takes the burden off of your five man or your big man from uh, making decisions. And that's the second thing is we have big men who are not good at making decisions, especially Oscar. Oscar's not incredibly tall. He's not incredibly long. 
So uh, in order for him to be good at ball screen defense against the guys he's guarding, he's got to be elite at making fast, effective decisions. And he is just not good at that. He's just not. Um, he would be successful if he made a did a strong hedge. He would be successful if he did, played full committed drop coverage and allowed uh, weak side help to come and take care of the guard uh, driving. Uh, he would be successful um if he uh uh faked a drop and then turned it into uh, a little bit of pressure defense and switched uh but he isn't making any of those decisions he's playing in this kind of uh middle of the road uh defense where he's not really guarding the driver but he's not really guarding the role man uh and that's really frustrating um now it's way more complicated than saying hey oscar you need to make a decision uh if, if it was that simple i'd be making nine million dollars uh, a year but um it, it, it's a tough thing. That's why these guys are the best of the best playing D1 basketball. It's a very tough thing to guard. That's it, It's a popular offense by design, but you have to be better than what we are doing. Uh, and some of the adjustments are at this point in the season, different personnel. That's really the only way to fix it. Yeah. Well said. It's, it's not that easy to fix. It's hilarious. How many people think it is. Um, Question from at BC41042, a lot of numbers. Um, he says, should we start Collins, or do you think Oscar can rebound, pun intended, uh, from his slump? Um, I, I, I do not think that we should start Collins. Uh, however, I do think that it's about time we shorten the leash on Oscar a little bit because it's been real long for a real long time. Um Collins can provide something. It's situational. I think it sounds like Arkansas was the situation <laughs> when that would have applied. Um, but he's not the guy that that starts off the bench over the the national player of the year. He's not, he's not him. Um, and also Collins is good and like has a lot of, of, of talent. He can definitely back us up there. But I, I think that if he were coming, if he were starting the game, uh that something would be exposed that that we don't want to talk about so uh so no but shorten the leash on on oscar a little bit i think uh yeah, what um, you got matt I, I i do want to say there's not a specific question for this but i brought up the three players that have been positively trending for us in the past few games those have mm. been case and wallace chris livingston and damian collins do you know what yes. those three guys have in common that no one else on our team do five stars well, Oscar technically is, but a five-star that originally committed to Kentucky. That Cal was like, this is my guy. I'm going to recruit you. You're not a transfer. You're not a four-star, three-star developmental guy from wherever. Five-star that Cal went out and got, and they've been playing the best the past few games. At least makes you feel better for the upcoming years. Um, at MSAC790, that sounds a little familiar. Familiar, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Might be, might be Papa Sack, who should be listening. Um, <laughs> He says, wasn't pretty, but feel like Savier and more Damian minutes would have been a different game. Much of Arkansas's offense were transition and or bailout shots. Thoughts? Um, Yeah, I, I think Savier would have helped a lot. I think Kaysen kind of got tired as the game progressed. We saw that with his few turnovers in the second half. Um, He literally couldn't come out except for that, like, one and a half minutes that CJ Frederick ran point guard for. Um, he was expected to create everything on offense and he looked phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I think Savir could have helped 
limit some of the turnovers, um, give Wall or at least keep Wallace fresh, maybe keep on the wing for a few possessions. And I think Damian, yes, would have helped. It would have closed the gap. But like you said, a lot of Arkansas's offense were bailout shots. And that's the thing about bailout shots is you can't really defend them much better, especially not with like a 5'8 mm-hmm. point guard. Um, but yeah, missing Xavier Wheeler, who was just coming off two of his best games. I think it was a nine assist performance um, against Ole Miss on the road. And then the performance that we talked about against Florida. So he, he would have helped a lot, especially speeding up the offense. So much stall ball in the second half. And yeah, I do think more Damian minutes would have helped. But how many times have we seen Oscar struggle this year? But then all of a sudden he just got it going and popped off like a 10-2 run all by himself mm-hmm. um, and fouled some other or get the opposing being in foul trouble. So again, Savir being injured out of our hands, you got to at least trust your national player of the year to not be as bad as he was. But yeah, I think in hindsight, Savir and Damien would have helped. But we move on. We go to at Georgia on Saturday. The last time we played them, Oscar had 37 points and 24 rebounds, I believe. Hopefully we could see some continuity. Buddy, what is your prediction for this Saturday? Uh, so first I want to point out that my uh, prediction last week was within one point. I got one team correct, and I think I got the other one was off one point. Or somebody told me that. I'm not actually sure if that's true. I didn't go back and double check. But someone told me that's the case. So uh, that's three. Three for Buddy. I don't know how how high you guys are on the, on the scoreboard. But <laughs> uh, my prediction next week will go 76 76- to 62 i think we're gonna Ooh. put it to him who's yeah. your mvp uh mvp's oscar he's back nice well buddy you were one point off i was zero points off i had the you, florida score the perfect. exact perfect oh my 72 72 67 i actually don't remember what i said on the pod but i tweeted that out saturday oh, morning no no only oh, the pod. no 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 i, I might have been right I might have been right. I don't remember what I said on the pod, but regardless, I am going to go with a score of, I'm going to say 81 to 73. The Cats are going to win, and Cason Wallace is going to be our MVP for the third straight game. I'm going to go. All right. Uh, I'm going to go 74 to 72. And our MVP, not be, I don't think he will have the best game overall, but the game will end on a last five seconds drive and scoop by Chris Livingston to put us up two hmm. in the waiting seconds. Uh, it won't be a pretty game, uh, especially because Georgia's going to let Oscar do his thing, and he's kind of in a slump right now, but that Chris Livingston scoop layup at the end is going to be a sweet, sweet, sweet thing for BBM. You know what? Cal's going to have these boys mad. He's going to have them ready to play. They're going to come out knocking down threes, playing defense, playing hard, playing good. Cats are going to win 108 to 62. I love your predictions. MVP Antonio Threes. And he will set the UK record for three pointers made in the game. Eventually, you're going to get like that. That's like the third time he said that, according <laughs> to your predictions. That's awesome. Let's go! <laughs> Let's go beat Georgia. Let's go beat Mississippi State. So when we talk to you all next week, we have a pair of positive Kentucky wins to talk about. Thank you all for listening this week. Go Cats, baby! Woo! Bye-bye. Go Cats! Jason Wallace is good at basketball. <laughs>